A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we're going to jump into something called Donor Advised Funds. First of all, let's uh, introduce the cast of characters here on the podcast. <laughs> we have David Lee, our founder and CEO. We have Matt Walters, our senior vice president. And the best one of all is Natalie, our producer and marketing director. How's it going today? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to... Uh... As we record this, it's Thursday, so I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's been a long but good week, so I'm ready to take a few days off. Yes, Thursdays are my favorite day of the week. <laughs> I had a large short position on GameStop, so it's, <laughs> it's been a rough couple days. But. Uh, for those of you not sure what that means, if you check out the GameStop uh, stock price, you can take a look at that, and uh, maybe we'll discuss that in another podcast. But for today, we're going to be talking about donor-advised funds. All right, so we're going to start off like, what in the world? We're going to shorten that and call it a DAF, donor-advised fund. Matt, you're deep into this. Just kind of give us an overall, what is a donor-advised fund? Yeah, donor advisement. So this is something we actually, speaking for myself, I know I haven't done a lot of it, but it's something that's kind of been brought to our attention again here in the last year. Um, We're always looking for ideas of how can we help clients point them in the right direction, you know, from a tax standpoint, investing standpoint. Um, So the donor advised fund is essentially an idea for someone who needs to take advantage of uh, some larger deductions, larger tax benefits in in a shorter period of time and maybe um, pull some of those forward that they maybe normally wouldn't wouldn't be able to. So what I mean by that is instead of, say, giving $10,000 a year for the next 10 years to a church or charity, you can pull those contributions forward into one year, take the full $100,000 tax benefit in a single year, and, you know, therefore helping you um, on your taxes. So where a lot of people might file and claim the standard deduction, not benefiting from the, you know, itemizing their deductions, if you're able to pull forward future um, um, charitable giving amounts that you might be planning on giving, then you can itemize in that year and, you know, lower your income. So this can make sense for a lot of people. We'll get into kind of the reasons um, it can make sense and who it might make sense for, but that's kind of the general idea of it. So you brought up a couple of key things there, Matt. Uh, we, we think of it as flexible philanthropy. So you, know, you mentioned one thing that's very important about a donor advised fund. You have to itemize to make this make sense for you. Right. right. Yep. So if you're going to take the standard deduction, even if you do this, it doesn't make any sense. You're not going to benefit from from a tax perspective for how, you know setting up and funding a donor advised fund. You're going to want to um, itemize and have more deductions than your standard deduction might be. So for someone who's looking to get a large tax deduction and they're charitably minded, this might be something they would look at. Now, the most they can take off their taxes, though, there's a percentage, right, Matt? Yes, 50%. It's 50% of their adjusted gross income is the max they can deduct uh, in any one year. Right. And that's for a cash contribution. All right. So 
So now we got an idea. Okay, I want a big tax deduction. So I think about doing a donor advised fund. So how do they work? So it's literally like setting up your own um, charity. And I disclaimer here: if anything I say is not fully legally the best way to say it, then you know just skip over. He's but hedging. but it's essentially like setting up your own charitable entity, you know, fund that you can immediately contribute up to, like Mike said, fifty percent of your adjusted gross income in a given year or over a period of time, number of years. And since that fund and that account is set up um, to distribute at a later date to charities, and it has to do that, you're able to immediately take that deduction from your taxes, right? So it's like starting your own charity that you know you're going, whatever you put into it is ultimately going to be distributed to other churches or charities, but you're not necessarily distributing it to those other organizations immediately. You're just setting it aside and taking advantage of the tax deduction in that calendar year. Um, and then you can distribute it at a later date. So we open up account like at TD Ameritrade, something like right. that. You can open account. We make it a donor advised fund. You can invest it however you see fit. And, but at some point now that, that money, this is irrevocable and, you don't get that money back. That money has to go to charity. So you got to make sure you're doing this correctly. All right. But when do they have to give it to the charity? There's no date. There's no, you have to be distributed. Funds have to be distributed by this time or by this date. Um, it's just whenever you need to. So an example of a scenario that might, this might make sense for someone is, you know, say you're later in your working career, right before retirement, high income earner, you know, you're, you're just getting hammered with taxes year after year. And you, you could set something like this up, set up a donor advised fund, take advantage of itemizing, taking advantage of some bigger deductions. And let's just say, for example, this individual is used to contributing um, or tithing it to their church, $20,000 a year, and they're 60 years old. They could pull the next 10 years worth of tithes forward from a tax standpoint and say we fund a donor advised fund up to $200,000 in a single year over a couple years and that will really help lower their taxable income in these higher in earning years and then let's say they retire the beautiful part about it is let's say they retire in a couple years and they have seven or eight years um, until they get to the age where they're eligible for qualified charitable distributions which a lot of our clients are familiar with um, they can then use the donor advised fund to make their tithe. So they're not trying to tithe out of their retirement income directly, or they've already allocated that tithe or that charitable contribution. So it really is a pretty cool thing. It yeah. can help you now from a tax standpoint and kind of help you, you know, over a period of time from a cash flow standpoint, because you're not trying to fund that out of income you're generating. Plus an another idea is if you if you know that you're going to have a really big year this year maybe you're selling a business for example and you're going to have a really high income year and then it's going to be you know more normal quote unquote after that that's where you could use the idea that that you just mentioned there Matt where right. you take a big chunk of that funded donor advised fund to get large enough so that hopefully it gets you all the way to age 72 when you can start doing qualified charitable distributions from IRAs. Um, so it's a great, brilliant idea, frankly, I think for those people who are charitably minded. Another um, kind of a specific example where this could apply and may be a good idea 
is we see we see people all the time that have highly appreciated stock. Walmart is a common one that we see a lot around here where maybe you've got a really low cost basis in your Walmart stock and it's highly appreciated. Or for those of you out there that were lucky enough to have GameStop, maybe, <laughs> you know, you've got your highly appreciated GameStop uh, stock. Um, Tesla is another one that we've seen a few of here lately. But if you've got a highly appreciated stock and you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to sell that because I want to avoid the capital gain here again, the donor advised fund can be a good use for that. Right. Right. Yep, absolutely. And it is going to be not exclusively, but primarily for higher income people, because if you start taking into account the 50% cash yeah. max and the 30%, you know, appreciated asset max that you can contribute. Well, if you are already retired and say your income is 70 or 80,000, then that 30 or 50% isn't going to be much, if any more than your standard deduction might be yeah. if you're filing joint. So that's a so, good point. So yeah. just, just simply having highly appreciated stock, if you're not at a high income, the donor advice fund might not be the best idea. What we talked about on the last podcast, charitable remainder trust could be a better idea. But if you've got the highly appreciated stock and your high income and you're charitably minded, the donor advice fund could be a great way to fund several years worth of contributions and get a deduction for it. Right. A lot of good information here. So it, again, to recap real quickly before we go any further is donor advised funds. You want to put some money away to get a tax deduction today to fund some type of charity in the future. Uh, and it could be a year from now or 15, 20 years from now, but you get the tax deduction today. And like Dave said, if you sold a business and got a huge chunk coming in, you need a huge tax deduction there's a possibility. Now, there is another feature to this. If if your deduction or your contribution is more than that 50% for a cash contribution, 30% for a highly appreciated stock, you can still carry forward that excess for over up to five years. So it's not just limited to that. So that's a possibility. Okay. So who can contribute? Anybody. But like Matt said, it may not make sense unless you are a, a more... Uh, highly compensated individual. Okay, so now we got the money in there and we know we don't have to give it right away. So who can we give the money to? It has to be a, a legitimate 501c3. So that could be a church or a charity, whatever, as long as they're actually a legitimate 501c3, they can be a recipient of a donor advised fund. And it doesn't have to just be one. You could do it to one True. or you could do it to multiple ones. So, And you can change your mind later on. You are... You're the donor and you're advising the fund, hence the name. Okay, so now we, now we know what, what it is, who can use it. So what, what are the costs or the fees associated with those, Matt? Yeah, so you're going to have your general investment expenses, like if you own mutual funds, if you're working with an investment advisor. Um, so pretty standard there. there. There could and probably will be some additional, you know, upfront legal expenses to set it up. You know, you're setting all of this up and, and making sure it's done appropriately. So there's probably going to be an attorney involved or some tax consultant, tax people. So there's going to be some upfront and ongoing costs, but it's it's pretty reasonable, especially compared to some other alternatives. Like we talked about charitable remainder trusts. Those can be much more expen expensive to both set up and administer going forward. You're absolutely right. So if you're looking for a way to lower your taxes, Donate to your favorite charity, but maybe do it sometime in the future. This may be an option for you. And it's been an option for a lot of folks because some statistics from the National Philanthropic Trust, easy for me to say, um, from 2018 to 2019, 
these grew by 20%. They've got $121 billion. That's B with a, a billion with a B. There's over 18.6 million individuals in the U.S. that have a net worth of over a hundred, I mean, I'm sorry, over a million dollars. Almost 19 million people in the U.S. have a net worth of over a million dollars, which so that may mean you may be, uh, this may help you. All right. And then let's see, payouts from the DAF to the donor advised funds. Uh, some criticism of a donor advised fund is since you get to put the money in today, take a tax deduction, and then you don't have a time frame to pay out. Some of these say, well, it, they're just warehousing money. Well, that's not necessarily true because payouts have nearly doubled since 2010. They're paying out $23 billion a year. So if this sounds like something you would like to talk about, hey, give us a call here at Mach 1. We'll be happy to sit down with you and see if it makes sense for you. So as a recap, just about anyone can open a donor-advised fund, just about anybody. It may not make sense for you, but you can. It's a very efficient way to give and minimize your taxes. If you fund the donor-advised fund now, you take the deduction, and then you make your grant to the charity sometime in the future. And it is a much lower cost option than the charitable remainder trust and less complicated. All right, guys, that ends up the uh, donor advised funds. Before we end the podcast today, we've referenced GameStop several times. And Matt and David, I know you guys are heavy into this. You know all the technical things on why the stock has just gone through the roof. So share with the audience what's going on. Well, at a, at a high level, essentially what's happened, as I understand it, uh, from the research I've done, is that you've got some hedge fund managers that were looking at GameStop. I guess it had gone from like $2 a share to like $30 a share in the last not not too long a period of time. And and if you know much about that company, it's not it's not really doing great. It's kind of struggling. And so some some hedge funds noticed that and started to target it uh, as a short position betting which essentially means they're betting that it's going to go down in value, right? And if they're if they get that bet correct, they can make a lot of money cause the stock price to go down and, and eventually buy it back at a, at a lower price later. Okay, David, so you, a hedge fund group, they're, they're looking at GameStop and they're saying, you know, we think this thing is going to drop like a rock. So they short it, meaning they're betting that stock is going to drop and they can make money on it. And we're going to get into the details of how that happens, but that's what they did. Correct. Correct. And then there was a, I, I'm not even familiar really with Reddit, but I guess there's a, it's like an online community, I guess. Matt, do you, can you speak to that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not on Reddit, but yeah, yeah, it's some kind of online community where people get on and chat and talk about various topics. I think there's a lot of like, um, you know, different groups that talk about different things and you can kind of be associated with different topics and what whatever is most important to you. And apparently this, um, this group, I think they said the other day, they've got like 3 million people in there Wow. Um, that are commenting and, and, and involved. And it's basically like a, a war room against some of these hedge funds. I mean, they're literally like encouraging each other and motivating each other to not back out and to keep buying yeah. and to hold yeah. and to, you know. And so um, it's pretty interesting how you can get some small, I assume mostly small, retail, retail investors. investors. You get enough of them and they gang up against some of the big guys. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Mike, I was sharing this with you earlier this morning. I think it's emblematic of what's going on in the country, you know, where you've got the elite, the so-called elite and powerful, in this case, the hedge fund managers, 
that are being rebelled against by the everyday everyday man. You know, you see it, you saw it on Capitol Hill the other day, um, and you just see people getting angry at the elite and the institutions, uh, and they're rebelling against them. And that's exactly, I think it's exactly the same thing. It's just in the financial markets. And so like you were saying, Matt, all these retail investors are kind of rebelling against these hedge fund managers and they're taking them to the cleaners. I mean, I think there was a hedge fund managers that lost $2 billion, if I'm not mistaken, on their short position. And, and they did. So, so we hear the hedge fund, the big corporate world saying it's going to go down and they're betting on that. And now all the retail people are saying, no, we're buying it. And it drove the price up. So the hedge fund managers then, they had to go and they had to buy the stock to help prevent more losses, which drove the price even higher. And, and now, and this is a crazy stat, I learned it yesterday, that there were more shares traded yesterday than there are shares because of the short position. Now, Matt could explain all the details of that, but it is incredible what's happening here. And it is, just like Matt said, the retail investor saying, nope, we're betting it's going to do better. Now, GameStop, they have about 5,000 stores. They're not making any money. This is all happening because of what we just talked about, hedge fund managers and retail people going back against them. So it, on that note, remember that whenever you buy a stock, you're buying a business. And so in this case, you know, can, can the price of GameStop, GameStop's stock be justified by the underlying business? Absolutely no way, no how. So just like we talked about Bitcoin recently on a recent podcast, what what's driving the value of, of Bitcoin? Emotion, period. There is no earnings or revenues that you can look at with Bitcoin to, to justify the price of the stock. GameStop and AMC and what's going on with it, it's just market manipulation in this case, but it's the same thing. I, I would tell you, don't get, don't get distracted by the squirrel. Okay. Don't, don't think, Oh my gosh, you know, let's get rich quick and let's try to get on, on this while it's going. No, it, it's, it's more than likely going to be a way to get poor quickly. Okay. Um, if you're not already, if you haven't already been on, on that trade, it's already too late. So don't get distracted by the squirrel. Uh, the Bible talks about in Proverbs talks about how he who makes money grow slowly is wise. So don't don't try to get distracted by get rich quick schemes, whether it's Bitcoin or then this the latest here is GameStop and AMC. Focus on having an investment strategy and grow money slowly. And by slowly, I mean that could be, you know, eight, 10, 12% a year. That's that's a good rate of return. Don't try to make your money double in a month. That's because you can make it you can make it cut in half in a week by doing that. <laughs> the question the question on this is kind of when when or if it does it stop um and yeah. what stops it and i think i think it, it is interesting to see i think it'll ultimately be the sec that steps in just like they try to you know they regulate institutional investors to not manipulate the market well now they haven't had to worry about that on the retail level as much and maybe they have to moving forward but what i don't think you see moving forward and i may be wrong but you know you see these activist hedge fund managers that I remember Bill Ackman made a huge short position on Herbalife years ago, and they would literally get up on stage and roll through a two-hour, you know, PowerPoint presentation on why they think this company is a bust and essentially going to go bankrupt, and why they're taking a short position. 
I bet you don't see that anymore. That's right. Because right. you get up on stage and make that presentation, you then might have you know that. three or four million people yeah. that all of a sudden make you know take a run at it. So um, that might not ever happen again. That's true. In fact, I was talking to another client about this topic just this morning. And um, my take on it is I think this is probably a positive development overall for the market, as long as it doesn't lead to over-regulation of the retail investor. That's one of the risks here is that you might start to see fees and regular and trading restrictions come in on the retail guy so that they can't hurt the elite and powerful. Sure. Hopefully that won't happen. But if that doesn't happen, I think the positive development out of this is like you were just saying, Matt, it'll probably really make these hedge fund managers think twice and be very, very careful about how and when they short a stock. And Matt, the, the comments out there today are, Keep the stock. Keep it till it gets to a thousand. Keep it till it gets to a thousand. Well, let's say that it's there. It's a thousand. Who's the last one to get out? Yeah, that's right. You don't want to be the last one that gets out, and it's all the way back down to two dollars a share. That's right. So you got to watch that. And today, it's up 40 percent again today. Can you so imagine being? Madness. Can you imagine being a um, longtime GameStop employee who maybe has you know had fifty thousand dollars worth of GameStop stock a year ago? And all of a sudden, it's up 100x from what it was. I mean, there are some people that are probably freaking out who had nothing to do with any of this. And they're, you know, find themselves in a pretty interesting situation. Well, that person needs to call us and we can help them with that (laughs) newfound wealth. Okay, well, we've talked about donor advised funds today. We've talked about GameStop and what you should not do there. Okay, Natalie. Oh, wow. I'm sure we're going to get some questions on this. How does someone submit a question to the podcast? Yes, thanks for asking, Mike. You can email us at podcast at Mach1FG.com or you can go to our website, Mach1FG.com, and there's a podcast tab and you can fill out a form there. We, we love answering your questions. Thank you, Natalie. And, and folks, if you have ideas for about future podcasts that you want to hear more about, send those in as well. We'll be happy to entertain those. All right. Natalie, thanks again for a great job. She does a great job behind the scenes producing this show, stays up late at night, cutting out all of our mistakes. She makes us look good on the podcast. Okay. I actually have two thoughts of the day today. The first one, this one comes from Proverbs 1311, and it says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And that's from the Bible. And now I have another one. And this one is, and you may have heard this one recently. Don't get distracted by the squirrel by David Lee. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today, folks. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. And we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.